What's happening, man? Hey, it is. Hey, good uh, Thursday afternoon from the Freight Alley Day 3, yep. right? Home of, of the free because of the brave. Happy Veterans Day to all who have served and their families as well. Did you know that one in four truckers is a veteran? I did not know that, but I wanted to share a quote that illustrates the importance of the industry and okay. lends, really lends credibility to when we call them the heroes, right? So this is John E. Whistler, Lieutenant General, USMC. Logistics is perhaps the most complex and interrelated capability provided by today's military. Unfortunately, to those unfamiliar with its intellectual and technological breadth, depth, and complexity, it can be considered an assumed capability, something that simply happens, or worse yet, a back office function that is not connected to warfighting and capability. Wow. Logistics, hugely important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Military, you know, wars are won with logistics and nations are built. Congrats to Project 44, by the way, talking about building a digital nation. They won the top spot in the Freight Tech 25. Um, I did a great interview with Jet McCandless, their founder and CEO, yeah, uh, about a absolutely. week ago on Freightwaves Insiders. It's audio only. If you listen to podcasts, look up Freightwaves Insiders wherever you get your podcast. By the way, we've been talking about all these prizes. We're going to give some away finally at the end Are of the show. Are we really? We That's get... my favorite thing is we get to do the cowbell We used role. to do that all the time. There's a wilderness, camping, trekking excursion that we're giving away. There's Ooh. a, you go to Yosemite, Zion, Grand yeah. Canyon. Uh, there's also a fly fishing excursion at the Rainbow Ranch in Big Sky Montana. Now, I heard George Abernathy is the guy for that one. We'll find out when he comes up here. He's yeah. going to be up here in a little bit. Now, before <laughs> we get to our guest, Ship Hero sent us some cookies. You have oh, yours? Yeah, I, I do. You ready for a quick taste test? I don't know. Are you? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here it goes. Mm. Oh, I broke it. These are pretty good. These are like a butter cookie. Thank you so much, <laughs> Evan Rubin and Ship Hero. I'm like Cookie Monster over here. I got crumbs all over myself. I'll put some on George's seat. Delicious. All right, let's get the band and then we'll get down to business. We want to thank our show sponsor today, Daimler Trucks North America, who in collaboration with Platform Science announced the launch of virtual vehicle and OEM platform that will transform the industry. Find out more at daimler.trucksnorthamerica.com. Now let's go to the lovely Haley Evans. She's the <coughs> VP of Broker Services over at Triumph Pay. Welcome back to the show, Haley. Awesome. Hey, guys, how are you? Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. We always get to catch up with you at these big events, right? Oh, yeah, I know. I wish we were there in person, but I'm glad we at least get to do this virtually. So tell us, this is the future of Freight Festival. What's the future of freight payments? Is the future now? The future is now. We are working on this currently. We're creating a payments network. So when we acquired HubTran earlier this summer, um, we are able to expedite on behalf of brokers, presentment, audit, and payment. And with that, you know, we're also wanting to connect brokers with factors, with shippers and carriers. And so you talked about Project 44 earlier. Um, one of the things we're going to be focused on in 2022 is connecting with all of these awesome partners and creating integration so that it makes people's jobs easier. Yeah, so uh, Haley, last time we we talked, we were talking about an important milestone you guys were were, were reaching, coming, reaching for, coming near. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, so we recently passed a milestone of processing $16 billion in annual freight wow. payments. So, yes, <laughs> yeah, um, that makes us the largest payer in brokered freight, and we take that responsibility very seriously, making sure that we can process payments on behalf of all of our brokers. 
um, and that carriers get paid because like you mentioned earlier, I mean, they are at the backbone of this country getting things where they need to go. So we need to make sure that their payment process is simple, easy, and dare I say, enjoyable. Now, Haley, there's all this talk of, of inflation and si- supply chain driven inflation. And a lot of shippers I've talked to and a lot of data I've seen is that a lot of uh, cash flow may be a problem, right? A lot of freight is stuck on the water. There's a lot of invoices still outstanding. And if you want to make a bearish case for 2022, I think some of that could, could prove to bear. How important is cash flow now and making sure payments happen and are secured? It, it seems like a lot of companies are, are starting to get concerned about this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy how long the pandemic has been going on, right? I mean, we first saw this in March of 2020 when shippers started pushing their payment terms out um, because warehouses were shutting down and cash was becoming a problem for them. So that obviously affected everyone down the line and brokers and carriers. So one thing we do provide is um, access to early payment terms on for carriers. So if they want to take an early payment term, they have the option of quick pay in addition to factoring. They want to work with a factoring company. Um, But we also offer extended payment terms for brokers so that, you know, if their carrier is wanting to take an early payment term, but they're not being paid by their shipper or their customer in 30 or 60 days, you know, how is they're operating on a negative cash flow and it's really hard for them to do business that way. So as a bank, our parent company is a publicly traded bank. We're able to um, to provide that cash. Yeah. So, Haley, we talk about the capacity crunch, a lack of capacity, inefficiencies, et cetera. But within the brokerage uh, houses, there's a lack of capacity as far as talent as well, right? Yeah. There's the great quit and people moving and all that kind of stuff, trying to hire people. What are some of those soft savings and those efficiencies that, you know, a program like Try and Pay can bring to them? Yeah, I mean, this is affecting every market, right? I mean, we're trying to hire as we grow, as we pass that milestone. um, We're trying to hire more product people, more technology people, more customer service um, so that we can um, we can provide great services. And I know brokers are trying to do the same. Um, So with our service, you know, we um, automate invoice processing. So when I've gone and visited brokers, and sat in their offices, um, they have people who are actually manually reviewing their carrier invoices and comparing it with the TMS. And that is what we do. We have artificial intelligence and machine learning um, that takes over that so that you can not only reallocate those individuals to other areas of your business as you grow, like customer service um, and working with your shippers, but also you're not trying to hire someone to come in and read invoices. I mean, I don't really want to read, you know, invoices 24-7, so that seems like kind of a hard job to, to find. I'm not sure about you guys, um, but that's one value add we provide so that you can um, individuals in, in more, you know, customer service areas. Now, when you're looking at the payments, too, you mentioned something interesting there. Um, are there ever audits going on? Are you seeing uh, wrong charges, uh, improprieties, or any of those that need to be corrected? Because when volume goes up, so do errors, don't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a couple of different things, right? Like maybe there's an accessorial that they've added that wasn't in the original contract. Um, So in the TMS, you'll have a certain charge and then, um, but the invoice comes in with completely different charges and you're able to flag that as an exception and actually follow up um, with the carrier. And so that's something that we automatically find for you. You're not having to go back and forth and and look, Um, but absolutely. I mean, carriers are out there. I mean, you know, there's submitting invoices and hoping that those invoices are processed and being paid quickly. There can absolutely be errors on both sides. And then when there is an error, um, you know, the broker or whoever is working on behalf of the broker has to go back and work on that with the carrier. And that's what we're trying to improve with the payments network, 
right? Like our future vision of the payments network is like when you go to CVS and you use your Visa credit card and you're able to purchase a product and CVS gets paid, you know, you're not mm. writing a check and CVS isn't billing your credit card company and you have all this paperwork flying around. Like we're trying to make it easier for everyone, the carrier, the broker and the shipper that people are just billed and paid seamlessly and not via paper invoice. Right. So, Haley, it's, it's been a really good conversation as always. But before we let you go, tell us what's next for Triumph Pay. What's on the horizon? Yeah, absolutely. So we're expecting this payments network to be up and running in 2022 and operable. And I've spent the last couple of months meeting with different partners as well. So we're really focused on integrating, like I said earlier, um, with the freight um, tech ecosystem. So um I would love to talk with you, obviously, if you're a broker, if you're a shipper, um, or even if you're a tech provider, um, let's talk about working together and how we can serve this industry. Thank you so much for joining us today at F3. We appreciate your time. Hey, Thank I'm you guys so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Now, I'm seeing this gentleman <laughs> in the green room, and his, I think his hair <laughs> looks even better than the last time we had him on, Michael Vincent. You what, it man. is the wonderful Prasad Galapoli. He's the president and CEO over at Trucker Tools. Prasad. How's the day treating you, man? I wish you were here in Chattanooga with us. I wish I was um, there as well. Um, so, uh, you know, some of you know this. I have a personal uh, update. Um, so we recently welcomed our first kid. Oh, um, hold on, hold on. Right. I got to give you a little hey. cowbell for that. Congratulations for the kid. Right. Well, what did you come up? What's your name? I'm Trucker Tools Jr.? <laughs> I get the daddy truck name, so <laughs> uh, baby girl, um, Hamsika. Um, so we're, you know, I couldn't travel because of that. Um, but uh, you know, um, I wish I was there too. Yeah. So hey, Prasad, let's talk about the business here, man. How much of an impact can the drivers, you know, driver-friendly mobile apps really have uh, for those drivers? Um, I, you know, we we've, we've been talking about this for a while, but I'll say this: I think um, that the future is in the digital space. I mean, data and digital and mm -hmm. mobile apps really make a huge impact. Um, the biggest analogy I can think of is, you know, when these carriers have to use different systems, say, for example, they, they have to pick up their phone to talk to someone, uh, jump on a laptop to check loads or open, a, you know, um, maps to see where the next truck stop is um, or receive uh, text messages on a pager. Um, some of you don't know Pager, right? Here, uh, most of the, you know, we have passed all of these innovations now. It makes a driver really inefficient. It makes a carrier really inefficient. So what, you know, we're used to unifying things and we are used to feed me what I need to get. I think these smartphone apps have that ability. We're still in the, I would say the first 30, 40% of the innovations here we still have a lot of innovation to have, you know, to go through, but most of it happens in the back end. So as a carrier, I don't have to wait for what kind of a load I need to get. Let the system know exactly what I need to go and pick up when, where. Now, on the trucker scales of justice, what is weighed heavier? Is it good customer service out of a broker or does that even matter? Is it just the pay, making sure they get paid, uh, clarity of pay and getting paid quickly? Is, uh, is service boss at all in the trucking market? Tell us, Prasad. Uh, you know, it's very easy to think that carriers, all they care for is the rate. Give me the top dollar. I don't care what the load is, what it is. Um, and if someone else is willing to pay me more, I'm going to reject this load in a heartbeat and go to that load. But that's not true. That's absolutely not true. I've been in a lot of conversations with carriers, um, part of some of the, the social media groups. 
carriers really want a good relationship. What they say is, we, we know the rates fluctuate. I mean, today is in their favor, but I mean, not long ago, you know, it was in the broker's favor, uh, the rates were. So um, these carriers ask for, in that range swing, give me the best rate you can, right? But treat me well. That is the key. I mean, what they are asking for is, don't, mean, don't give me a runaround. Um, if you give me more loads, I don't have to go around to find other loads. So I, I think um, a good relationship, how you treat your carriers, trumps rates any given day. Right. So you're saying that that's more important to the drivers. I mean, there's, there's brokers that are out there that are trying to give out that money and think that they're going to get those loads because of that payment. You're saying that it's not. What do you say to those guys that are struggling out there with that? So, you know, if, if a carrier only pays for or looks for rates, high rates, um, what, what they're saying is, I don't care for our relationship. If someone, like say, for example, Michael, you, are, you give me the rate and all of a sudden Dunar comes and says, Prasad, I'm going to pay you another $100 more and I, I dump you and go with him. Mm-hmm. This relationship is not going to long, uh, you know, last for long. You know, in a year when the rates come down, I'll be out of business before anyone else. So we call these guys as carriers that are, you know, in a you know round robin fashion, right? They're playing musical musical chairs. So those guys you don't want to work with anyway in the first place. You might want to work with them in a tight situation like that, but they are not your core business. Now, you want to work with carriers that truly value your business. Now, Prasad, I like that. Um, he he's already had this sort of uh, language about. Brokers, and I like pitting myself against this man, especially okay. since he's injured, he'll be easier to beat. Oh, so God. we're both brokers, right? We're both brokers. This is a very as, tough as market. We want to secure me. capacity. What can I do to make sure I'm the first choice instead of this guy? Uh, <laughs> you already said you can beat him, so which is good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think um, the, the very first important thing is if I'm a carrier and I'm coming to both of you, at the back of my mind, I'm also thinking I got 10 trucks, right? If you just give me one load, the next morning I have to come to you and ask for the same business again and again. As opposed to when I come to you, Dunar, and you'll say, Prasad, this is great. You can move my load from Shatnagar to Chicago, but where are your other trucks? How many more trucks can I fail? And all of a sudden, let's say you're giving me 20 loads a month. I got five trucks. And so that's a great relationship. So I have more in skin in the game in our relationship and I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to building it, right? Um, that trumps a transaction relationship. But Prasad, I got killer swag and cookies, bro. <laughs> <laughs> cookies will, will, will trump. <laughs> I win. I win. <laughs> I win right there. So let me ask you this. Do you think that the current market is encouraging more truckers to get into the business? Why and, or why not? Uh, you know, in my viewpoint, I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm far from the, uh, that. But I think we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough to attract new talent into our space. There are analysis, um, uh, you know, economists have said um, we don't have enough drivers. I will put it this way. In overall supply chain, we don't have enough labor. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going out to hire people. We can't find good, good resources. We can't find resources, period. So what is uh, the policy or governments across the world? What are they doing to build talent? Um, one of my friends who is in our space, he's devo- uh, devoting most, some of his time to driving school, so, which is a great thing. I mean, there are a lot of good leaders in our space. We should look at how do we build talent? How do we incentivize um, labor force that's entering the market 
to choose supply chain as a profession. A lot of brokers do an amazing job of pitching their business very well. Um, a friend of mine said he's encouraging his daughter to take supply chain in college because, you know, supply chain stays forever, right? So great. All, all of this is good, but we have to constantly promote our industry because, you know, end of the day, um, you know, you laugh at when people say, I don't know how um, all the, the stuff in the grocery stores arrive at, uh, you know, show up on the shelves. Mm. Um, <laughs> not by magic, for sure. Yeah. If it's by magic, then uh, truck drivers are the centers of the current world. Now, Prasad, before we let you go, uh, this is the future of freight. So what's the future of trucker tools? Uh, just give us a prediction on 2022. What's going on with the company? Um, we've been doing really good. Like the last couple of years, um, as you know, trucker tools has seen, um, you know, 200% growth year over year mm. uh, plus. So we've done a marvelous job. But in my viewpoint, I think the digital space is just getting started. There's so much um, that can happen here in the future, we still have a lot of innovation behind the scenes where the future should be where a carrier would come online and say, I got two trucks. And the technology, the brokers and shippers will take care of making sure that carrier is successful, profitable. In a year from now, that carrier has 10 trucks. That should be the future. where We are encouraging these newcomers into our space, owner operators with, hey, I got a truck, help me out, grow my business. And we'll take care of that. Yeah. Great point too. I mean, if you're not growing your customer's business, if you're not saving them money or making them money, then what value are you offering? Love the message, Prasad. Thank you so much for joining us and I'm sure we'll see you again. Hey, thanks for me, uh, for the opportunity. And congratulations on that dollar, by the way. Gotta get one more cowbell for that. Thanks. Good to see you guys. Now, a lot of founders on the show have come on the show, right? And yeah. they know how important having support is along the way. Sure. Our, our next guest is leaving Freightways for a great opportunity. He's going onward to emerge. He is our proud president for slightly longer, at least till the end of this interview. Till the um, end of this interview, yeah. But support's <laughs> a big thing. And what I'm trying to say here, George, is boys. not everyone Hello. got what the truck from the beginning, George, but you have been one of our biggest supporters before the numbers rolled in and all of those kind of things. And you've watched our growth along the way. Behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. Um, need to turn your mic George, we need to get your mic on, too. Oh, God. Yeah, we need to hear I'll, your lovely I'll talk, voice. I'll talk, over, I'll talk over to you uh, you there, Michael. Share so, the uh, mic I'm with just us. A, uh, I'm just a rookie on this kind of stuff. Chris, so. that red button right there. This of course. Now, this right will there. be um, his yeah. last appearance on the show. It will turn probably be as, a, yep. as Freightwave's proud president. But he is there like, you go. He's headed over to merch. Now you're mic'd up, too. George, thanks right. for joining us up here. No problem at all. So it's a pleasure to be here. It's like... I did get this from the beginning. I got my glasses on because it's entirely possible that between my two boys here, I'm probably going to cry before this is over. But oh. uh, I'm, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, you know how much I, Would you like some I, like I, I adore that. No, I, I like my teeth the way they are. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you for having me, uh, and I do expect to be a long-standing guest, and uh, will uh, will will always be a great fan of of you guys. And by the way, happy F3, and also thank you for the commentary about veterans. Um, my dad was a veteran. He's interred yeah. at Arlington National Cemetery. So uh, it's always a very special day uh, for me on Veterans Day. So thanks, boys. Excellent I really appreciate stuff. it. Really appreciate it. And we got to ask you. So it's kind of a it's, it's a bittersweet day, a bittersweet yeah. appearance. It is. Why, why are you Why are you leaving us to go to Emerge? Emerge, great place. Andrew Lee, a great guy. But uh, yeah. But, but why? Freightways is pretty cool too. Freightways is really cool. Uh, and as Craig uh, was so nice in the things that he described uh, publicly, I maintain a um, a. Um, 
stake here. So um, I'm always going to be supportive of freight waves. But um, probably on the freight wave side, I would say the company's in such great shape from a leadership perspective. Um, the people who are managing the commercial side of the business are extraordinary. And it felt like it was possible to do it. And it emerged. Um, Mike's, Michael's heard these, these comments. Um, I've been pursuing optimality in freight procurement for like two decades. Yeah. Uh, you go back to some of the things that we were doing at, uh, with OptiBid back in the day and what Emerge is doing right now, as recognized in the top 10 of the Freight Tech 25. Uh, I believe they were at number eight. It's demonstrative that the technology is, is resonating, so uh, I, um, I, I'm, I'm doing that. It's a, good, it's a good time in both directions is, yeah. a, is the right answer. So let's go back, man. We've been, we've been together right. a number of years. A lot of years. Four, four years, baby. We used to hang out in the hostel zone. The hostel zone. <laughs> in the yes. old, in the, in the old be allowed to call it that today, but it definitely, now, you're but definitely right. Back in the right. day when there was like six of us, it was definitely the hostel you're 100%, zone. You're 100% right. It was yeah, a pretty I, accurate I'll, uh, I'll description take, as well. Yeah, I'll take a shot in the dark that it was about four years ago. That's a damn Good guess. <laughs> George, do you have a memory that really sticks out? Like, what, what, what are some of your best times here? Oh, gosh, there's so many of them, and, you know, Craig and I were able to share them, but um, Sonar going live was remarkable. Um, mm. uh, I don't mean to pick out just any particular Sonar customer, but I'm, I'm going to. Um, people know if they look in the background at my office at home, I've got a cowboy hat that JB yeah. himself, Mr. Hunt, signed. Uh, for Georgie. Uh, it was lovely for him to do that. And I've used that when I need luck. And, you know, Michael knows I'll try to get a little bit of his DNA to, to help us out. And Craig, when we signed a very significant for us at the time uh, contract with Hunt, Craig said, put the Hunt hat on and sign the contract and we took the picture. So that was, that's about as, that's about as good as it, as it got. Um, but, uh, you know, the the continued launching of things that we've done here and the ability for this, this company to, 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 to migrate and to, I would say, the, the next was the first of these virtual events when Freight Loose was so well known for being the in-person events that you know, blew the door off everything and were badass. But then we had to pivot with, with, with the pandemic. We had no idea how that first one was going to be. I mean, just nailed it. I mean, just, just nailed absolutely nailed it. And it really, it really, you know, made such a difference in the industry. And I mean, God, look what we're doing now, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Freightways, Freightways TV is, well, it's a constant. If you look in my background, it's a constant in my, uh, in my office. And I'm smarter because of it. Maybe, well, maybe not because of you two, but <laughs> maybe not you know, the other the other guys. Well, here's well, the, like, one of my one of my favorite stories happened early on when I was here, and I, I went out to cover the the Falcon story, and we had a different like GM of content at the time, and I. Yep. I didn't really get along with the guy that well. And, and he was, he, I, I kind of felt like he was throwing me under the bus when I, when I came back from this trip and I, and I slapped his desk and I was like, I need to talk to you. And then you're like, boys, go, go in a thing. And then I heard after our, we went and we had our conversation in the booth, you're like, that's a passionate guy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Is that right? Well, and, and as, as much fun as I've had with you guys and laughed with you, I mean, the, the sheer success and, Back in the day, pre-Dooner, when we were doing some of this, yeah. you might see me say, well, don't count me in one of the talent. Yeah. You, yeah. Got, you guys are talent. I mean, this, is, this yeah. is not hard. The way that we deliver news, the way that we deliver information, the way that people, if you don't read FreightWays.com, if you don't watch FreightWays TV, 
I'm smarter than you are in this industry because I read it and I watch it, and it's 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 you know remarkable what we're able to produce. Yeah, George, from, you, from back you've, in the GoPro days, you've earned something here. <laughs> this is something uh -oh. that Kate Juliao won one of these for winning a competition at Transparency 19, my first time. Right. Yep. Emily Zink got one of these in December when she left the company. Got it. And you're getting one now too. Oh wow! Take a look inside there. Thank you so very much. I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna now I am gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. He's the first male oh, recipient. I, I, I have a feeling I know <laughs> I know, know what this is gonna be. Oh go. my god! It's your own cowbell. It's my own cowbell. Oh, that's so sweet of you guys. And I am I am gonna I am gonna I am going to uh, I am gonna cry. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. So you guys well, don't cry. You guys Just are, bang it. Here, give it. Right, yeah, give us a cowbell, man. All right, we need. We need more cowbell. Woo! There's nothing like cowbell, so all thank right. you, sir. And now, George, you can't leave until oh, you all right. take a trip oh, to the wheel. Oh, the not wheel. the wheel of stupid questions. Stupid no. Questions oh, never ring. Totally random. Totally random. Okay, Karnak, well, let's wow, go. Look at it. And you know what? I read it really quick, and then I can memorize it. So uh, <laughs> I'm that smart, George. <laughs> Uh, so if yeah, you got okay. to walk, so you got to tee off and walk down uh, the the stadium hall, which is the 16th, right? 16 at, at the uh, uh, at the open at the waste management open. At waste management, Scottsdale, right. where emerges. Scott, I got you. Right okay, on there. What are you throwing at the crowd, my friend? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I guess. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm hoping if there's a crowd around there and I'm playing it, I'm hoping that Maureen doesn't wake me up from my dream. <laughs> so that'd have to be the first part. But then if I actually continued along, hit the green, people didn't boo me, I'd probably have to show my true colors and throw some uh, New England sports memorabilia, <laughs> uh, a, little bit of, uh, a little bit of Red Sox stuff, a little yeah. bit of... Uh, the bit of Patriot stuff. Some if deflated football. Yeah, yeah, some deflated footballs, exactly. <laughs> hey, if you're a guy, if you're a guy who has a rescue husky named Brady, you better be able to bring the, the Patriots. Give him the ball back. So you are in the crowd in Tampa. Goodwin throws you the ball. Do you keep it? What do you hold out for? Oh, I'm holding out for way more oh, than that. Oh, there's negotiations got. The guy happening got, there. The guy got totally hosed on that, he as far as I'm job. concerned. I, I, season tickets for life. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the thing's worth whatever it was going to be on the market. So. Fly fishing trip with Brady. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sky I, you know, uh, you know, a private jet somewhere with, <laughs> somewhere with Giselle, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, Ooh, you know, spicy. with that, with that, with that being Indecent said, Giselle, Giselle may be one of the better looking people in the world, but her husband's even better looking. So yeah. I would, I would Man. probably want to be with Tom. So that's a, that's a great question. It thank is. you for that. You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Boys, it's been a great pleasure. A I really, I really do. I really will miss you guys. All right. I'll be around. So. Thank you very much. Peace. Thanks, Peace boys. And love, my Peace and love. As George says, be well, my friend. Yeah. It's time to get a little Strickland business. Hit the music, boys, because we got another guest coming up right now. That vaporwave coming near your drums. Stereo live. Music's right. good enough. Here he is, Zach Strickland. It's been a while since I got to play that bumper. I know, right? <laughs> so, um, you, we, we made this big announcement. Sonar Track came out. Uh, you, you, you demoed it. You showed it off. But now the What the Truck audience, you know, they don't always yeah. catch all these demos. Let's fill them in on about it. And myself, too, because I've been busy at this event. I haven't really, myself, been filled too much in on Track. So, I'll be the audience. Fill me in. Yeah, so Track, uh, super excited. Now, a lot of people put a lot of time and effort into this. George Abernathy, of course, one of them. Uh, JT Engstrom as well. Uh, I got to give him a shout out among many, many others, especially the data science team. And what makes Track super cool? Now, first off, it is a rate 
reporting tool. Like it's uh, made up of you know several members of a consortium. Uh, Trusted Rate Assessment Consortium is what it stands for. That's the acronym. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, there you go. You can see it. And uh, you know, essentially, we improved upon the methodology for uh, you know reporting rates. Uh, rates not necessarily like you know something that you can just inherently know yeah. like is good or bad, uh, but we've put a lot of context around it in this tool. So you can see. You know, we have no more than 25% uh, of the contributors can contribute to one lane. Uh, and you have to have a minimum of five contributors on all these lanes. So you know that you're getting a nice sample size, a good disbursement uh, yeah. around that. And then we provide uh, a little bit more context by saying, okay, this uh, particular rate has a range, high, low, and also a confidence score around it that says, okay, five, the highest level of confidence, one, the lower level of confidence. And what, 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 don't go too far into the details because yeah. we've done that before. Right. It's, it's, it's a big rabbit hole, but a little bit behind that context of, of confidence. Can you give any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, really, you know, all you really need to know is like when you are doing statistical sampling, yeah. you have certain layers of confidence. Nothing mm -hmm. is 100% or 0%. But right. You, you know, the higher that you are in terms of confidence, that's just better. And we provide a little bit of that context in underlying uh, that confidence score. So we'll tell you, you know, the average distance. Uh, of the right. the rate uh, where the rates were reported sure. from, and we also report you know the average time. Uh, so you know you can go back as as far as 21 days in the past right. to get that five contributor 25 percent limit. Uh, gotcha. So the so the confidence in here isn't because well only one person responded, so right. we only know one rate. That's yeah. not the confidence. No. You've got the volume of, of reports. It is merely this exact zip to this exact zip, a little bit of distance there, and a time from the reporting. So yeah, and that's that's not necessarily gotcha. what the confidence score is reporting, but that's part of the part of the, part of the transparency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when you have like a bunch of rates, for instance, yeah. and if they're spread all throughout, like you know, you have an average rate of like two dollars and fifty cents a mile. Mm -hmm. If you had a bunch of rates tightly packed around that average, like two dollars and fifty one and two dollars forty nine cents, that would basically, you know, be a five confidence score. Uh, the, but when you have like a $3.50 and, you know, there's some $1.50 per mile rates around it, that would be a relatively low confidence score because there's so much variance around the mean. Wow. Mm -hmm. Right. And there, but there's other things in there too. There's not just a, you're not just looking at it that says, hey, here's the high score, here's the low score, here's the middle, and then, you know, you guys do the math. You also provide some, some tools in there to calculate yeah. your math if you don't have a basic calculator. I mean, but it's pretty cool that's inside it, right? Because you can have it all integrated. Yeah, yeah. We have the margin calculator. But it also, you also went into the lane scores, no? Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. We have obviously... Uh, obviously, we have a lot of market data uh, inside of Sonar, and this, of course, uses some of that data to help provide a little bit more context around it. We have uh, Lane Insights, so you can toggle on the top of the, uh, the dashboard there, and it gives you a lane score, which is a higher number, indicates tighter capacity conditions, lower number is obviously looser. Uh, then you have origin capacity conditions and destination capacity conditions, whether or not it's tightening or loosening at the origin or destination, and then you also have an O try. Okay. <laughs> so a tender rejection rate uh, at the origin, or right now it's at the lane level, uh, if, it, if it exists. So there, there's a lot of tender data context there. It allows you to see like, okay, rates, the, the market itself is extremely opaque. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of what we've been addressing over the last several years is how do we provide a little bit more transparency. Rates can be really emotional. Sure. So a lot of this extra data around capacity conditions at origin destination can also help you identify where some of those differences are between what the market thinks is happening and what's actually happening. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you got the visual on there as well. Not only do you have the confidence or the, uh, what is it, the lane signal or the integrity score that is in there, the tightening capacity, but you also mm -hmm. have the visual in the map there. Yeah, yeah. That the is map. showing you exactly what's going on. Exactly. Now, can I go in there and, and save a ton of lanes so I don't have to put them in there all the time if I'm working a bunch of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Down there on the left side, you see a bunch of lanes listed right there. So your favorite lanes, you can just, anytime you add one in there, okay. Los Angeles to Dallas, Dallas to Los Angeles, et cetera. Uh, I have several saved that are kind of like my benchmark lanes to, oh, sure. to check on. Yeah, absolutely there are, right? Yeah. And the specific markers is those that follow others, right? They correlate. Exactly, highly. exactly. Yeah. So it's really easy to navigate. All right, well, Zach, people who want to use this, is it in Sonar currently now? Yes, it's in Sonar. It's up at the top left for the Sonar users out there. If you yeah. haven't already identified it and seen it, um, it's up at the top left. It's got an M on it <laughs> Yeah. Uh, called the Market Dashboard. Cool. And if they want hand-holding or a demo, you can reach out to the, the Sonar reps, right? Just exactly. Sonar.surf, right? Site? Or, or, or your uh, customer success rep. Customer uh, success rep. Yeah, we got oh. a ton of them. <laughs> All right, send them to the wheel. Send them to the wheel before we go to commercial. <laughs> what do we got? Wheel of stupid questions. There it is, here. my friend. What is what <laughs> it is? So, what is your favorite freight conspiracy theory? Ooh. You don't have conspiracy. to live believe it, but what's your favorite? Uh, that there is. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, freight conspiracy. And that won't get you sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that there's a driver shortage. No. <laughs> well, I mean, some people debate opinions that. Expressed by Zach yeah. are not those of freight waves. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, you know. I don't know if that's necessarily a conspiracy, but sometimes we call it a driver recruitment issue versus driver shortage issue. Uh, they probably one in the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. I would say mine now is probably not a conspiracy. It's just the nature of. I don't know, late stage capitalism and what's going on. But um, even when you look at like sort of the supply chain task force, who like who is being asked mm -hmm. is the people with the most leverage. Yeah. And the smaller shippers are getting crushed. So is there a conspiracy against them or is that just the nature of what is happening in the market, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think also, you know, think about the size of the market. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to manipulate this market. It really is. Yeah. It really is. A little easier on the ocean where you only have Unless sure. you're the one driving that conspiracy, which right. is Right. <laughs> well, Zach, thanks so much for joining yeah. us up here at the show. We appreciate your time. Good deal. Um, you know what? I might have a parting cookie for you. Oh. Nope, I already bit this one. Uh, here, I only bit. Oh, here we go. No, here we go. Here we go. Here's your cookie. Sweet. Unbitten. Unbitten. Delicious. You know, I'm, I'm looking over in the green room before we go on break, and I'm seeing a 26-year-old gentleman over there who's celebrating what's got to be one of the biggest days of his life as his company, oh, yeah. $5 billion-plus valuation. He's over at NASDAQ right now. Yeah. We're going to go to break. and we come back, we'll be talking to this young man. Welcome back to F3. By the way, during the break, we were reminded of a uh, conspiracy theory we should have mentioned, which was the, my favorite one. Now I'm thinking about are some of the ridiculous ones I've seen on Twitter, and one was that all the container ships are filled with like enemy combatants, and it's it's an invasion. It's a Trojan horse. It's just thing. a Trojan horse. That, well, it's going really, really awry because well, they're sitting out they're there with no food gridlock. and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah they're stuck in dwell time, and now they're getting fined, and it's they won't have money to invade anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're only coming in that. one one soldier at a time. Speaking of money, work. speaking of big money, <laughs> speaking of being at Nasdaq, we got a. Uh, a young prodigy over here is Alex Rodriguez, CEO over at Embark Trucks. Man, how does it feel to be over there, to go public, to complete that spec, and to be sitting where you're sitting today? Pretty good, I bet. Well, I, mean, I you can might need to get his sound by a stunned silence that he's yeah. really, really impressed with. Well, what's I think going it will there. be. We just need to get his sound over to him. So, production, if you can help him out, we'll jump back over to him. And know what? Maybe we'll talk to Bob Hitt first. We'll jump over Let's to him. He looks that. ready to go. I see him in the green room smiling. Bob yeah. Hitt, North American lead, transportation and logistics at Salesforce. Now, Bob, how are you doing today? 
<laughs> oh, Bob's on mute, so we got to get Bob off mute. Can um, we get these two together? Maybe yeah. one can hear us and one can talk. That would be <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bob, are you off mute? Can you hear me? There we are. Yeah, now we got you, Bob. Bob, are you right. over at – so I, I didn't know you guys had this. I was looking on LinkedIn, and you were at the uh, Salesforce Lodge recently. What is that? But we haven't built the Salesforce Lodge yet, so we're going to have a whole community where employees and customers can come together, meet, work on on what the future is of their sales organization and their service organization, and uh, solve business problems together. Wow, like the Camp David of, of uh, Salesforce. A physical, physical location is what this is going to be? Is that right? Physical location, but a lot cool. more fun than Camp David, so... Right, right. So, hey, let's talk about what's going on here. Everybody's trying to pull out their crystal balls and see what's going on there. Can you give us a, a prediction on immediate trends zero to two, uh, zero to two years out in sales? What's going on? Yeah, so in freight sales, I'm going to focus on freight sales yeah. um, more so than other areas. What we're seeing is, you know, historically, customer relationship management tools were used to track account executives or account managers, see what they're doing, see what RFPs they're responding to, and just for management to know what's going on. And there's a big transition that's going on. Some companies are already there and most other companies are trying to get there where they're bringing in all of the data about the customer to that CRM. Information like shipments and revenue by lane, on-time performance, missed pickups, cargo claims, invoice disputes, everything they're doing on the website, everything they're doing with customer service. And bringing that all together to make a tool for salespeople to be more effective. In fact, a lot of these companies, once they have that data, can use AI to start predicting things like, is this, is this deal going to close? And what's our likelihood of success? How many lanes do we think we're going to win in advance? What steps they can take to improve the win rate? And even try to identify, identify things like churn before it happens, several months before it happens. So that's one of the common things that we see uh, transportation companies doing across the board that really help salespeople use CRM as a strategic tool. We, another thing that we're seeing pretty common is trying to capture freight spend. And there's two reasons for that. One is because everybody seems to be getting into other lines of business. You've got trucking companies that are buying freight brokers, freight brokers and freight forwarders coming together, and they're, they're trying to understand what are those other cross-sell items they can, they can do and even have that data in their CRM to inform what acquisitions to make, where there's big opportunities for these companies to go. So those are, those are a couple of the big things that we see going on across the board in, in freight sales. Wow. What about, so this is the future of freight. So if we look forward a little bit, what are the advancements going on at Salesforce, especially insofar as how it will aid salespeople in logistics? Right. And that's, that's a great question. Um, one of the areas that we're seeing, and if you kind of look at the supply chain management industry um, or function, you have a lot of retailers communicating with manufacturers, manufacturers communicating with raw goods suppliers, and providing forecasts and point of sales information so they can better plan out how they're going to be manufacturing or selling and, and what, what's going to happen. And historically, a lot of the transportation and logistics companies have been left out of that exchange of information. And the reason is because transportation and logistics has kind of been always on. You, you ask for a truck, you get a truck. You want to book space on a ship, you, you book space on a ship. There was always capacity. 
And this always on experience meant that they didn't really need to share information. It was it, it was always going to work. Prices might fluctuate a little bit, but you never heard no. And today, yeah. customers are hearing no. And so one of the things that, that I've seen more and more, and parcel guys have been doing this for the holiday seasons and they're doing it more, but it's getting more into the truckload and LTL industry, is asking retailers, asking manufacturers and raw goods suppliers to plug in to that information exchange, all their forecasts, all their point of sales information. And that way those transportation and logistics companies can see exactly what's gonna happen. And in exchange for doing that, the TNL companies are committing to some level of capacity. So you give me your data in an automated fashion about all of your shipments, not just what you give to me, and what I'll do for you is I'll guarantee you a certain level of capacity so that when you need a pickup, when you need space on a ship, or when you need a car for the rail, I'll be able to provide it. So that's that's excellent. a major change. That's excellent um, stuff. But, Bob, real quick, before we before we let you go, run out of time here a little bit, but before we let you go, okay. give me some long-range. Give me one or two long-range, five-plus-year predictions. Yeah, where do you see autonomous trucks? Oh, autonomous trucks is a big, big area, and I think it's going to change. The trucks might not be owned by uh, the trucking companies anymore. We're not really sure. And that's where, from a freight sales perspective, really understanding all of those services that are provided at pickup and delivery, whether it's lumping services, final mile delivery, adding warehousing in, that's that's going to be a big part of it because AV is going to really change the landscape. It could potentially eliminate owner-operators and freight brokerages um, if it if it really goes to the end, but I think AV won't be in the in the metro areas for a while. It's going to be on the major highways, uh, limited access highways, at first, and it's it's going to really change the need to have great information about customers to really understand what they're trying to accomplish and what services they do at either end, pickup or delivery. That's a great point, and I think a lot of people would yeah. go, "What is like Salesforce? What would CRM even know about autonomous trucks? Oh. Like, what is he? Why is he spitballing about? It? He just brought a great point because you've oh. all got you've got all that customer information. Yeah, it makes, it no. makes perfect sense. Yeah, brand new world. Salesforce, they're always one step ahead of everybody. Bob, thank you so much for your time. We have another guest coming up who's over at Nasdaq over there, and right. uh, he might have an opinion or two on autonomous trucks in the future of them. I, I know the does. market does because you don't have a spec and go public and get a five billion dollar plus valuation if someone if nobody's believing in it alex super impressive he's alex rodriguez ceo co-founder at embark trucks how does it feel today man how does it feel to have to have this moment <laughs> well first off thanks for having me and uh it's obviously super exciting so today uh we got to ring the opening bell on nasdaq we started trading under the embk ticker um so it's been really cool for embark um obviously the the background on the company is we develop software for self-driving trucks uh, we've been doing it for just over five years. And so I think this is a really cool validation for the company of what's been accomplished so far. At the same time, I think it's a call to action. We're in the middle of one of the largest, if not the largest disruption to supply chains that's happened in many decades. Um, and there's a real need for this technology at scale right now. And so um, we're, we're having a lot of fun. We're going to celebrate this weekend. And then we're going to be back at work with our partners on Monday, making sure that uh, we're able to, able to help solve that. Yeah, talk about that a little bit, though, um, uh, Alex. Brag a little bit. Talk about how many trucks you got out there. What's the what's the partnerships? What are, what are you guys working on? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll uh, we sort of jumped into the middle. I'll give you a little bit of the background. So Embark is the longest running self-driving truck program in the United States. Uh, we've been working on this technology since 2016. And I think the things that really set us apart are 
our approach of partnering together with the industry instead of trying to, to run our own fleet like some people are. Um, and I think you mentioned this, right? The question is sort of how do fleets play into the overall self-driving ecosystem? Mm -hmm. um, and we think that we're going to see the big fleets actually have a bigger role to play. Um, and so Embark partners with uh, some of the biggest in the game, whether that's Knight Swift, it's Werner, DHL, Messiah Valley, Bison Transport. Um, between uh, our different partners, we have over 14,000 reservations for trucks uh, that are ultimately going to be running our software uh, beginning at scale in 2024. And so today, Embark has trucks in our internal fleet that we run in the US Sunbelt. Uh, and we're out moving freight today for uh, some of those big names and also big shippers, HP, AB InBev, others like them. Um, so Embark's focus really has been taking what's interesting technology in general in autonomy and bringing it to the trucking industry by partnering with the best on the fleet side, and by really developing a very unique software package that handles that highway to highway uh, operation. You know, freight tech is starting to feel like real tech, right? And I, and I don't say that as a, as a to, to throw shade on it, but no, no, for a long right. time, founders were, were, were older, right? And now we're seeing 20-something founders move into this space as yeah. it matures, right? And people are believing in it and putting money into sure. it. But let me ask you that, Alex. How did you get into this space? Because you did start relatively young, focusing on solving this issue. I think it's been really interesting watching logistics start to come a little bit into the limelight in Silicon Valley and sort of the tech ecosystem. Uh, I think Embark really got into this before uh, there was much attention, and so it's been really cool to see more people starting to realize how important trucking is. I think um, one of the things is, is you sort of think about uh, your average tech worker. They don't necessarily see a truck every day. They're living in downtown metro. They don't understand how, how significant it is, but trucking is, of course, the backbone of the U.S. economy. Um, and I think people are starting to realize it's this huge piece of everything we do, especially with uh, supply chain being in the news right now. Um, for us, uh, the move into trucking really came from a combination of uh, my robotics background. So I've been uh, working in robotics for over 15 years and then getting to know some of the big fleets in the US. So we started to get to know the fleets, understand their problems. And it really just stood out that um, there was a clear present need for the ability to run trucks for 24 hours, to be able to do it more safely, to be able to do it more fuel efficiently. Um, and that the technology I'd spent many years working on was going to be really well suited to do that. So, so Alex, let's, let's talk a little bit more about uh, what, uh, I don't know if you were listening to the previous guest, Bob Hitt from Salesforce, but he was talking about uh, how the CRM uh, and that information that's in there can, will be useful for the AVs, for the autonomous vehicles. Now, going through what you guys are doing there to Embark, you have, uh, what, what is the, is it called Guardian, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is, is the name, right, yep. to, to dispatch these, these AV trucks. Can you talk about that a little bit? This is the first time we've really ever dug into that, the controlling of these trucks and moving them. Yeah, I think... One of the things Embark tries to bring to the table is we're not offering a truck, right? We don't actually build trucks, we build software. What we're offering is a solution. And so, of course, that includes Embark's driver software, but it also includes Guardian, which you mentioned. And so the way the Guardian works is it plugs in to the telematics system, the dispatch system for a given fleet. It's able to ingest that information, and it provides them with uh, a way of monitoring and dispatching trucks out on the road. One of the really cool things is that It'll plug into any Embark driver-enabled truck, regardless of manufacturer. And so you can actually run uh, a heterogeneous fleet, as most big fleets do, and still go into Guardian and see what's going on. And I think one of the things that will be pretty interesting and where you would see a, a sort of Salesforce-esque tie-in is um, we start off with what's called transfer points. Transfer points basically means instead of the truck running into the city, it stops at a yard at the edge of the city and drop, does drop and hook. 
And then you have a local driver, you have someone who's uh, just manually driving a truck to do the first and last mile. But there's a second model that, that's going to be scaling up over time, what we call direct-to-shipper. And here we actually have the truck going to a warehouse or distribution center outside the city. Uh, and there you want to be able to automate all the elements as it arrives. You want to automate uh, the, the bill of lading, you want to automate the gate selection, mm -hmm. you want to automate mm -hmm. loading and unloading. And of course, all of that requires a huge tie-in with each customer's infrastructure. Uh, and so that's one of the things that we think brings a lot of efficiency over time, but also takes a lot of work. Well, Alex, let me ask you something, because you mentioned it. You're not building the trucks, right? Elon Musk, huge influence across a generation, I right? Think I, so, yeah. Especially for, for Zoomers and millennials, where we've seen his yeah. massive growth. Sure. Why not build the truck? Why just build the system? Why not build the trucks? Was there ever any temptation to do that, or did you realize that that would be a much harder road? Yeah, I think there's a unique ability. So Embark, Embark is asset light. It means we, you know, we try not to build the trucks. We try not to own the trucks. We partner with folks like... Uh, Warner or Night Swift or uh, DHL, who are ultimately the people who own and operate those trucks. Being asset light allows Embark to scale much faster. I think, of course, Elon's an, an incredible uh, entrepreneur. Tesla has taken a really long time to be a pretty small percentage of the overall car market. Um, and Embark wants to be able to scale our technology up a lot faster than that. I don't think we can wait 10 years to be single-digit percentage of, of trucking. And so right. if you want to do that, um, you have to be able to scale faster. And to scale faster, that means leveraging the order volume, the operational capacity of some of the biggest players, of really the top 100 fleets is how we look at it. And you can see that in having 14,000 uh, reservations on the books already. That's something that, that we obviously wouldn't be able to do alone. Alex, let me ask you this. Dooner and I were talking about this just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Working with your shipping partners, uh, some of the hurdles that you guys are working through, right? Uh, it, does, does the mix of efficiency of vehicles as this rolls out, does that figure into the mix where you've got these AVs that could be extremely efficient versus the manually operated trucks and how that figures into the moving inventory of some of these shippers? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I think as you integrate driverless trucks, um, they, they're going to have sort of areas where they're more effective, um, but it's not going to be every lane on, on the first day. And so you really end up with this mixed fleet. Um, and we actually think one of the interesting things is fleets that deploy driverless trucks will be net hirers of more drivers. Um, if you look at the, the big fleets today, they all have more demand than they can fill, uh, and they have trucks sitting against the fence. And so by working with Embark, they're able to take on additional shipments that need to be moved, uh, and they're able to do that while hiring local drivers to do that first and last mile, and then using the driverless truck on the long haul where they aren't able to get, uh, they aren't able to get recruits. And so you actually see people mixing together the different modalities, um, and I think sort of resulting in a net growth and net hiring uh, in the fleets that are starting to do that. Alex, I'm going to ask you a selfish question before I let you go here. My son, he's seven years old. I ask him what he wants to do when he grows up. He always says, I want to build big, giant robots. You want to build big, giant robots, and you have since you were 11. So if he wants to be you when he's 26, what path do I send him on now? I would say, uh, I would say you should tell him to go do FIRST Robotics. I did a lot of years of FIRST Robotics when I was younger. We learned a lot, brought us here. And then uh, maybe when he's old enough, tell him to get a, an internship at Embark. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. You take uh, you him an internship. There you go, bro. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Congratulations. I'm going to ring my bell for you. may not be the, there's the bell on the street, but it's good for us. There you go. Absolutely. Take it easy, sir. Congratulations. Congratulations. Good times. Awesome. awesome good times. Wow. I mean, it's so impressive. You know, we had Thomas Helion. He was the youngest billionaire. I mean, he's been supplanted when he came yeah. on. I think this gentleman was even younger than him. Yeah. And it's so cool seeing 
the landscape of freight tech change? And I bet our next guest, Eric Rampelli, he's the CIO over at Redwood. I bet he'd agree, too. Isn't it just inspiring seeing younger people take an interest in this field? Hey, hey guys, how are you? Yeah, isn't <laughs> Great, it inspiring man. seeing younger people take an interest in this field? Oh, I think it's the best. Uh, you know, my background was always just tinkering and taking things apart and solving problems and then serendipitously ending up in, in logistics. Uh, and I've been here for almost 20 years and it's awesome, right? We're going through a revolution and, you know, the world is changing quickly for a number of reasons and seeing young folks interested in what we're doing and then finding new and innovative ways to solve problems. It's, it's just so cool. It's really cool, Eric. So 20 years. So you remember when high tech was when we were putting a camera on the uh, the starboard side of a, of a of a tractor, right? I mean, that was that was a huge deal, right? <laughs> it's not it's not a mirror. It's a camera over there. But uh, let let me tag, let me ask you this: in, in your opinion, what what are the top three challenges that that the industry is facing today? What are the three top things that we really need to be focusing on? Uh, I heard everything is just fine in our industry, um, and that nothing <laughs> is going well. You know, Craig wrote a great article, Craig Fuller, uh, like I think in September or something, and uh, it's, it's resonated with me for a long time. And, he, and, you know, he said people ask him why supply chains are so messed up. Uh, and, and his answer is um, it was something like they've always had issues, but no one was really paying attention. Um, you know, so people are paying attention now. And when you look at things, you know, I'll just name three, like, uh, you know, obviously the capacity and labor crunch. Um, you know, the, the sharp increase in, in consumer demand, um, you know, volatility of supply across the board, whether it's transportation or, you know, any components that go into what we buy. But in reality, I think the biggest challenge, but also opportunity is that the world can now see um, how manual processes create a, a domino effect of inefficiencies. And those cascade when, you know, supply and demand, you know, have these shockwaves uh, uh, and, and volatility. And that's all kind of coming to light now. So, you know, the, the challenge is we could, you know, take a scroll out and, and list them, you know, you know forever on, on something that, that is huge. But I think the biggest thing is um, we have an opportunity um, to, to look at these challenges, you know, right in the face right now. Looking at them is great, but how do we overcome them, right? So I think we've identified so many problems this year, and people go, well, where are the solutions? We know what the problems are, so how do we get past some of this stuff? Yeah, you know, um, gosh, you know, I, I was reading a, an article the other day. Um, Steve Banker wrote in Forbes, you know, the, the economic outlook for 22 is going to be impacted by supply chain and labor issues, right? Like nothing there. But what, what's happening is that crisis is sparking kind of to your question and youth getting involved in our industry and technology. It's sparking a wave of, of innovation and, and creating a generation of entrepreneurs. Um, you know, the, I think your prior guest is, is a great example of that. Um, you know, so when we look at this and we're looking for productivity gains, right, how do we digitally enable them and, and how do we accelerate what is clearly here, which is the beginning of the fourth industrial revolution. Um, and so all of that gets companies to think about the status quo, right? And I, you know, I, to, to your earlier question, right? I've been in here for almost 20 years and a lot of things have been done the same way, but they're changing very, very quickly. So, you know, kind of we ask ourselves, will I ride this wave of volatility or, or will I have a plan? And I think having a plan is the biggest thing that, that, that organizations can do right now um, and come prepared. Yeah. So uh, Eric, uh, is it fair to ask how can technology help us uh, really resolve the issues that we have right now, or is really the answer just uh, how can't it? It's fine. It, it reminds me of a, a great Homer Simpson's quote from like the Conan O'Brien years. It was like uh, he said, you know, the beer analogy, right? When he's talking about beer, he said it's, it's the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Yeah, um, exactly. and I think. 
Yeah. And I, and I think the same can be said about, about technology. Um, but you know, it doesn't have to be that way, right? Organizations can look at the tech they have in hand and look towards the type of company they want to be in the future. And they can actually make a plan. And that plan means I'm going to look at the inefficiencies within my organization. I'm going to look to find where I've got 80, 20 opportunities or low hanging fruit. And I'm going to connect what I have in my organization that I've invested millions of dollars and years and training and, and human capital into, and how can I make it better without ripping and replacing the whole thing? Because that's just too risky. And I think you're going to be seeing a lot of that uh, in the next year and, and years to come. Now, Eric, my favorite philosopher, Rocky Balboa, once said, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how you can get hit and keep moving forward, kid. Uh, so what kind of lessons can we take away from this? Because we got pretty hard, but we got to get up off the mat and we got to keep moving forward because the country needs us. The world needs us. I agree. You know, 80-20 everything, right? We got to stop aiming for home runs and look for, you know, singles and doubles, right? So what is the 20% of effort I can put into something to get 80% of the results and just focusing on it, right? Is that strengthening carrier relationships and communicating with them and, you know, uh, discussing, you know, what the relationship is going to be like once, you know, things do stabilize, whether that's three months from now or two years from now. Um, you know, I, I was with a bunch of shippers recently and they were talking about how their frustration just led them to, to turn off their customer pickup business and switch to delivered only and just taking over what is an unnecessary amount of choices that are in their supply chain and simplifying to find that 80 20 so i think it's you know going to you know training hard and you know if he dies he dies right to, to your to your point on rocky you know Get rid of the stuff that you don't care about. Focus on the 80-20 and, and see what matters, right? Companies are looking at rationalizing their SKUs right now and just shipping what matters that impacts the bottom line. I think organizations that ship really need to think about how they can, you know, get the most amount of output for the least amount of effort right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, Alex, looking forward to 2022, 20, uh, what, are, what are you most looking forward to? I think it's the use of data everywhere. You know, I'm really honored and, and humbled that, you know, we were recognized today in the Freight Tech 25 for our efforts of, of you know, unifying the industry with, with connectivity and technology um, for, you know, how you, everything from how you book trucks and automate capacity identification to how you connect your trading partners and your back office systems. But what that all means to, to us and I think to all of our customers is, you know, the use of high velocity data by folks who haven't relied on data in the past is a game-changing opportunity and then getting that data from system to system in real time so decisions can be made whether that's consolidating freight optimizing pricing reselecting the right carrier identifying capacity um, you know you, you mentioned bob hit from salesforce right sending that into a crm centric approach you know all of that data needs to move between systems somehow and that's what we focus on uh, with redwood connect and we're just seeing customers adopt that like crazy because what were silos and what was manual labor and what was you know unfinished connections from an IT department that's overworked anyway is now, you know, drag and drop connectivity between systems that impact the supply chain and provide real-time results. And all of that use of data is moving us away from the HIPPO rule, which is the highest paid person in the organization makes a decision and you can go with it, to being a data-driven organization. And, and that's the game changer. Eric, thank you so much for your time and for joining us at F3. We can't wait to see you on the show again. Little uh, little cowbell Always for you, my friend. You Take care. Always great to see you. Thank you for having me. Take care. Hey, in the comments, Jonathan Wolfschlager, he says, more cowbell. I'll more oblige. Cowbell. I PJ Benoit fever. says, 
Always, always, Cowbell is life. I'll oblige. Sam Klein says, I concur. I oblige. All right. We're going <laughs> to give a, a gift. We're going to give some gifts away. We're gonna, Let's we do promise it. we get some. Give me some game show music. Games? I don't have any games. There's no, like, hum something. A wildland trucking, camping, tours, an incredible way to have an adventurous outdoor experience of world renowned national parks and wilderness destinations while hiking with only a light day pack and sleeping sound in comfortable vehicle accessible camps. Led by expert hiking guys, we set up camps and establish campgrounds with showers and embark on a series of unforgettable hikes. Sounds really cool. So who won this outdoor adventure excursion? Who is it? Do you want to guess? No, it wasn't Kaylee Mix. Who said that? George. It was none other than Dennis Pascal, the president of Pascal Carriers. Way to go. He's going to be out there. He's going out on the streets. We got one more. But wait, there's more. Slap shop. Fly fishing excursion, the winner is none other than Michael Cage. Michael Cage, you're a winner. You're data architect at TrumpStop.com. Hey, Sweet. thank you everybody for joining us on What the Truck. If you like this show, we'll be back tomorrow, noon Eastern time, regularly scheduled time. You can find this and fill your ear drums wherever you get your podcast. Just go What the Truck or download the Freight Waves TV app and watch our faces in beautiful living color and live Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at noon Eastern time. Now stick around because we have a segment from a visit where we visited Reliance Partners. Hear about multicultural oh, yeah. hiring has fueled their growth. It's a good time. Someone's head might get stuck in a piano. Tell them how to be. Hey, peace and love, everybody. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>